Film runs through our veins and continuously makes us interact with it. I'm your host, Edward Frumkin, and this is Real Print. In this episode, contributor Jonah Desno and I dissect the highly anticipated films playing at 2022 cons, as well as predicting this year's Palme d'Or winner. Then, I review Primary, Stacey's Wolfel's recommendation. Finally, in today's concluding thought, I discuss My and My Brother's Dog, Quaker. Some portions are recorded on Zoom, so bear that in mind when you hear the audio and enjoy the show. Thank you for coming to this very cool episode of Real Print, Jonah. I'm so happy to be here, Eddie. Let's open up this con of worms. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Great time. Well, as if you can't tell from the pun, we are excited to talk about our excitement of this year's Cons Film Festival. And before we go to the main competition programs that we are aware of with the great auteurs, we'll go with some director's fortnights, which there will be a special screening of men from Alex Garland of Ex Machina and Annihilation with Natalie Portman. And like I just saw the trailer for with Jesse Buckley in it, and I can't wait for it to come to the U.S. Oh, I'm so excited. I have been a major fan of Alex Garland since Ex Machina. That's a film I did not know much about before watching, and it's it's something that I keep watching. Just uh, his mind with science fiction right now is so original, and everything he comes out with, um, it's, it's something to look forward to. It's something that you know, even if it's not your favorite thing, you're going to have an interesting idea. You're going to have something to play around with for a while after watching. Mm-hmm. And to add on with Ex Machina, because that's where the industry knew him just because it was his directorial debut, a lot of long-hearted, die-hard fans of uh, Garland were known as the writer of the 2012 version of Dread and the 28 Weeks Later. So he's a brilliant uh, genre bender within the horror flash sci-fi genres. And I love how he was able to have zombies be as fast as possible and be able to show different portraits and sides of other people within these genres. And like as as a special screening, and I wanted to give a couple of shout outs in the director's fortnight, which is one fine morning from me and Hanson Love as I admire Bergen Island so much. And one fine morning we'll have Leah Seydoux, Melville Papaud, and uh, I, I don't know much about this movie, but like I'll see what I can get from the summary right now. And nope, it just shows a song on Google of the same. But besides that, I'm excited for that, but also Anna Rose Homer's and Sailor Davis's God's Creature, which is takes place in a windswept fishing village where a mother is torn between protecting her beloved son, her own sense of right and wrong, and a lie she tells for him rips apart their family and close-knit community. It has Emily Watson and Paul Mescal, who was recently in The Lost Daughter. And Anna Rose is just kicking it after The Fizz, where she was she won the Someone to Watch Award for her debut, The Fizz. And that's just a film that I can't wait 
along with yeah. Um, yeah i got one with that too um it also starring um aisling francisco um who actually got a, the chance to speak to she was in jennifer kent's last movie the nightingale and she was incredible in that and that's a movie that i thought was going to have a lot more popularity with jennifer kent coming off the babadook but i think she is a star to watch um just because her performance in that is so grounded in the rawness of it that I think she's going to fit perfectly in this cast. And hopefully with more eyes on her, she could be a name we talk about a while after the festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hope that that movie comes to New York Film Festival. That'll be a great chance for me to see it there. But there are some other good ones with one. Oh, I already mentioned that one. But funny pages from Owen Klein, who is the son of the great actor Kevin Klein. And uh, like people know him as enacting as Frank Berman in The Squid and the Whale, but he has done some two other films before, but they have not gotten the same attention as Funny Pages, as well as Lucien Castaigne Taylor's and Verena Paravel's The Fabric of the Human Body, with as they're part of Harvard Sensory Lab. Like I enjoyed the the breaths they take when they do. Um, cool nature stories like a boat with Leviathan and the canvas in Canaba, as well as Lucien's story of sheep in Sweetgrass. And with the fabric of human bite, it'll focus on five hospitals in Paris and will use the latest medical imaging technology to paint a triple portrait of the human body, the medical profession, and the French capital. Like, I'm not Sounds sure. fascinating. Yeah, like, have you had a chance to see Leviathan or some works from the Harvard Sensory Lab? You know, I actually haven't. That's one that's always on the list because you see it so highly regarded, but I have not watched either of those yet. Mm -hmm. And one last film I want to give a shout out in the director's fortnight before we go on to mine a little bit with the Critics Week is Charlotte LeBond's Falcon Lake. As Charlotte LeBond, you might know her for acting in fresh the hundred foot journey and the walk like in her directorial debut it'll have uh, actor sarah montpettit monia chakri and it's an adaptation of a graphic novel title un sur where joseph engel plays bashing a 30 year old boy from paris who's on family vacation in quebec where he meets and develops a relationship with chloe played by montpettit and the 16-year-old daughter of his mother's old friend, Louise, played by Corinne Gonthier-Hyman. And I just can't wait to see the different family reunions and maybe the weird secrets that this family may have or may not have. Like, I don't know the source material that well, but I can't wait to see LeBond's directorial debut after and co-writing debut after people got to see her in front of the camera. Now he gets to see her behind the camera. Gonna be, yeah, going to be exciting. Um, the director's fortnight is something to always look forward to. Um, it's one that I'm not familiar with as much just because you see the big names of the end competition, but really eager to see what comes from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now to just give quick shout outs for the International Critics Week. The opening film will be Jesse Eisenberg's When You Finished Saving the World that had its world premiere in the virtual Sundance. So Hopefully this is the first in-person screening for that film, as well as the closing night movie Next to He from July Chung as Next to He 
Um, give me a sec. Stars, Bay Duna, and I. I just need to be more versed on that movie before talking about more. But outside of that, I want to talk about some cons premiere and special screenings. Like, even though they won't compete in the major categories, it's great that we get to see them in one of the biggest stages of the summer or late spring or however you want to define it, where there is um, Ethan Cohen's documentary, Jerry Lee Lewis, Trouble in Mind of the Pondus Singer, Sergei Lonitsa about the destruction of German towns caused by ally raids as Lonitsa is one of the best directors in describing European history after doing Bobby Yar and the four hour Mr. Land Burgess I had a chance to see at first look at Momi. So Lonitsa is very well versed in how he connects the present speaker in Mr. Lambergs with the footage from the past and knows how to cut and reveal the inside impact that uh, will have long-term effects for the people that were part of these events. Like I love, well, I only seen Mr. Lambergs, but I can't wait to see other films from him as well as All That Breeze, the, the grand jury prize winner on the Sundance's World Doc Competition where it follows a fraternal relationship bonded by purpose, as well as the evolving city through the eyes of two brothers, Saad and Nadim. And I'm happy that it'll hopefully get a chance to be played in person at cons. Uh, real fast, of a brief side note. Do you think David Lynch is secretly going to have that special screening, or do you think he really doesn't have a film? I love that game. It's so fun to guess. If even they officially announced him, but like I know there are some more movies coming out for directors Fortnite, primarily shorts. But I do think that there could be a presence of David Lynch, not necessarily a movie, but maybe a restoration of Lost Highway or um, Inland Empire, which I know is making rounds like right now. So there will be a presence from David Lynch. Not a new movie, but a restoration, hopefully. My fingers are crossed for any, anything David Lynch is going to be a treat for all of us. Mm -hmm. Now we have some couple more out of competition programs, which includes um, Olivier Isaiah's miniseries adaptation of his past movie, Irma Vep, which will star Alicia Vikander, Carrie Brownstein, and comedian Byron Bowers from The Chai and Honey Boy. I'm glad that he's going to be able to show this old movie to American audience. And there's also scheduled to appear Kristen Stewart and Alex Deskus, and executive produced by Sam Levinson of Euphoria. And there's also Lee Jung Jae's Hunt. Like Americans finally got to know who was the man behind Ji-Hun with Lee Jong-Jae in Squid Game. And it's an action thriller where when military dictatorship reaches its peaks, um, NSA agents Park Byung-ho, played by Lee Jong-Jae, and Kim Jong-do face a huge truth as they pursue a North Korean spy chief in South. And there's also going to be Hyo song Tae, who played the tattooed villain, uh, um, Jing Diak-su 
in Squid Game. So it's a great reunion, and I can't wait to see people's reactions to um, Lee John James behind the, the scenes actions, as well as Brett Morgan's Moon Age Daydream, a documentary about David Bowie. Like, what are your thoughts on those two midnight screenings? I think that's excited. I like you said. Um, we're kind of seeing the emergence of Korean film and Korean television um, into the American audience, especially after Squid Game. So I think a lot of attention is going to be on that, and hopefully, this is even further breaking down the walls. Um, and then with music docs, David Bowie is the perfect person to have it um, have something about to kind of open up that book and dive into it. So I'm really excited for the midnight screenings. I think everything we have onto this point is cons and even though we don't have as much information on it we're a lot of cons coverage before these films come out because they are so highly kept with the auteurs involved um it is just kind of talking about names and simple premises but i think there's a lot to look forward to mm-hmm. yeah brad morgan previously did kirk copain's monta- montage of heck and the espn 30 for 30s june 17 1994 he knows how to be able to combine uh, like footage that are not necessarily time period specific to make it a universal and an always matter of fact story. Like I do my best to avoid contemporary or timely because we still go through shit, whether it's just a new number in the new year. And there's going to be, before I get to the competition, just want to give shouts to Elvis from Boz Lorman about Elvis, played by Austin Butler, Top Gun Maverick, like the long delay screening of the Tom Cruise's sequel that will have Miles Teller and Jay Ellis. And there is the opening film is Michelle Hasnavicius' Final Cut, which will have the Oscar winning director of the artist directing this French remake of the Japanese film One Cut of the Dead, where in that original film, it follows a team of actors and filmmakers who are tasked with shooting a zombie film for live TV and must do so in one take. Can't wait to see this comedy. It'll have his spouse, Bernice Beho, who was nominated for, hit an, for an Oscar in his past movie, The Artist, so, and some other top French town. Like, I don't know them personally, but can't wait to see that. Today's review, Primary. I first saw Primary in late 2019 before a day of college classes. I thought of it as a newsreel on the TV station at the time when I first watched it, but soon I was amazed at how Robert Drew and his associates created a different meaning in the observational documentary mode. After that, it made sense to let things unfold in front of you. It also reveals people's projections through the presence of the camera. Finally, it made me think of how humans are constantly performing, whether to impress certain people or not. For those who don't know, primary is about the 1960 Democratic primary for U.S. President as it is a fight between Democrats Hubert Humphrey and JFK. I was fascinated by the different personalities between Humphrey and JFK. You could tell from the footage of the politicians who would win. It was tremendous to see two politicians open to the press as today's politicians did not have a positive relationship with the media, mostly. I was glad to see Stacey bring it up and that got me to see 
the Richard Leacock cut of the film. It is half the film's original runtime of 52 minutes as Leacock created a shorter 27 minute version in case the station won't play the final Drew cut as primary was for ABC, I believe. In Leacock's cut, there was a little more simple structure of establishing Humphrey, JFK, and the election. It is not as different in the original version, but a simple condensed version of the final cut and just simply explaining who's who and make sure that uh, they start out with Humphrey and end with him. Without spoiler alerts, it is 4 out of 5 stars. I'm a bit iffy on the narration device because it is rare to have narration in the Verite doc today and I felt it was a little unnecessary. However, I understand that there may not have been as much of an understanding of documentaries in the 60s. Due to that, I am not too harsh on it. I do not want to repeat as much of what I said earlier, but the movie absorbs a containing spirit of being open to the world. It is beyond my mind how Robert Drew and his unit got access to them. I appreciate how they did not have interviews and influenced people to go film in their nearby areas due to innovations in 16mm film, mobile sound, and lightweight cameras. I also want to mention some of Robert Drew's associates outside of Leacock, such as Albert and David Bezos of Great Gardens, and D.A. Pennebaker of Don't Look Back. You should also check out the three other Robert Drew docs on JFK. They are Crisis, Adventures of the New Frontier, and Faces of November when you have the chance. Sometimes I wonder if there will be more Drew films if Humphrey or Nixon became president in 1960. I know Nixon would say no to Drew while Humphrey is maybe. Only history could tell, and that's my take. And with the uncertain regard, we have Riley Keough's and Gina Gamble's Beast Which Follows Three Lakota Men, and the director of the lore, Agnieszka's Smogzinska Silent Twins, which we should expect some mythology of horror where this movie is based on a true story of June and Jennifer Gibbons, twins from the only black family in a small town in Wales in the 70s and 80s. And it'll have Letitia Wright and Tamara Lawrence. Like I love Letitia Wright after Black Panther and Small Axe. And Thomas M. Wright's The Stranger, which features Joe Edgerton and Sean Harris. And uh, it's um, produced by Ian Canning of The King's Speech, and as well with Joe Edgar. So it'll be a great crime thriller to see. Like, what are your some thoughts of those three in certain regards? Oh, yeah. Um, I am very excited for Beast. I am a massive fan of Riley Cohen. Um, I had from American Honey when I first watched her. Um, I guess she was she was also in Fury Road, but I thought she was sensational in American Honey. Like you were just drawn to her in every scene. And then she followed that perfectly up with Zola. I I think she's truly an artist as an actress. And I think her jumping into the directorial debut is something that um, I wish all the best with because I love to see her a long lasting career. Um, and I didn't know this until researching, but did you know she's the granddaughter of Elvis? I know she's like, related just, to Elvis, but I did not yeah, know she, about she was his granddaughter, um, which I had absolutely no idea about. So I wonder if she's going to check out Baz Luhrmann's um, 
film with that. Um, with Final Cut, um, I'm very interested to hear about that. Cons uh, has a bit of a zombie thing going on right now because Jim Jarnus's uh, Dead Don't Die, I believe, opened the festival two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so some more heavy hitters just from names that I want to see grow even more. Um, before we jump into the competition, um, I also think it's super important to point out George Miller's new film. Um, final, I mean, 3,000 years of longing, yes. Yeah, um, it's really been a while that he hasn't done between Babe, Happy Feet, and Mad Max um, that he's had an original film. Um, I don't know if it's based off of something. Do you know if it's a based novel? Based on what I saw on the Wikipedia page, it says original screenplay with which it follows a scholar encounters a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom and their conversation in a hotel room in Istanbul leads to consequences neither would have expected that stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton like Tilda Swinton will always be in cons no matter what whether it's you don't really talk about Kevin or Memoria so She's a fan favorite there. Absolutely. And I just think with George Miller, we, we don't really know if this movie is going to, how big of a film this is going to be. Maybe this is going to be something quiet and subtle and just a personal project. Or maybe we're looking at this year's like Oscar contender. Um, we just know that George Miller is a fantastic director and his range of projects are pretty hard to predict. So I'm very, very eager to see the first reactions to this. Mm-hmm. We are, and let's get to some main competition films. Like we have James Gray of uh, the Lost City of Zed, which follows um, the chats and Hathaway and Anthony Hopkins. And I heard that it's based off of his personal memories when he about his upbringing in Queens, New York. Broker from Shoplifters, Hirokazu Kurida, which the film revolves around characters associated with baby boxes, which allows infants to be dropped off anonymously to be cared for by others. And it'll feature one of his recurring actors, Song Kang Ho, uh, who's got more attention with Snowpiercer and in uh, um, Parasite. Like, I can't believe I forgot it. And the return of body horror from David Cronenberg, which... The Crimes of the Future, which is not a remake of the 1970 film of the same name, will star Viggo Mortensen, Leo Seydoux, Kristen Stewart, and it's just going to be, like I know the trailer just released a couple of days ago, I haven't seen it, but it is something that many of his early diehard fans will admire after Rabbit, um, The Brood, or Videodrome, or Scanner, so it's definitely a body heart-pounding movie, and Park Chan-wook's decision to leave where a detective falls for a mysterious widow after she becomes the prime suspect in his latest murder investigation, as well as um, Christian Mong Jules of Reun- of Graduation, like one of the top directors from Romania with RMN, Claire Denise of Stars and Noon, like who knew that she had something new after Both Sides of Blade where Stars and Noon has Margaret Qualley and Joe Allen, where Allen is a mysterious English businessman and Qualley, an American journalist who struck up a romance, and they must now team up to escape Nicaragua during the Nicaragua Revolution. 
and the Darden brothers touring Lokita, Kelly Reichardt's showing up where an artist on the verge of a career-changing ex exhibition finds inspiration to Chaos of Life, which I expect so much minimalism that you see in her fourth collaboration with Michelle Williams, and the film will also have Andre 3000, Benjamin, Heather Lawless, Amanda Plummer of Pulp Fiction, and Judge Hirsch, and Hong Chow of Downsizing, and uh, one last shout out is Ruben Oslunds of The Squares with his upcoming Triangle of Sadness, where it's a dark kind centering on a fashion model celebrity couple who are invited on a luxury cruise for the super rich, which will have Harris Dickinson and Woody Harrelson and Charles B. Dean Creek of Don't Sleep and an interview with God, who is a South African actress and model. So for those who don't know her, but what do you think is going to win some of the prizes? You know, that's a tough question because we've got a lot of previous Palme d'Or winners in this competition. Um, I think a lot of attention is going to Crimes of the Future. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen a Cronenberg, but this high of a profile um, mm -hmm. for something that is so with a not so distant future thing that I think um, a lot of people can start seeing with the current um, transhumanism and like the emergence of technology with our biological selves. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on that, but I, I think that this year might be uh, Claire Denise with the star, uh, the stars at noon, obviously can has more of a, um, an audience that, has the expectation and the taste for films like this, but I think highlight um, Claire Denis' film that came out a few years ago kind of put her name in more of a mainstream mouth. So I think that there might be a lot of buzz and I feel like people who've already know a little bit about the film are very excited for it. Um, Armageddon Time from James Gray. Obviously um, there's the joke that this is James Graham's Roma after Belfast was Kenneth Branagh's Roma. And then Steven Spielberg's coming out with his Roma. So if that's a hit, that could do it. But if I have to take a shot in the dark, I think um, I think Kelly Reichart might do it this year. Um, I think she got a taste, taste of a lot of love with First Cow. A lot more people, kind of like Claire Denis, are speaking about her more um, as just kind of the minimalistic indie filmmaker. So I think if showing up um, – has some traction it's really good I think I think we're about to have a Kelly Reichardt here I think we're about to have her big moment where she's getting the praise that she's deserved for so long mm -hmm. like for me it's very hard for the Paul Noor but if I have to go with three winners I will go with uh, like I'll do my best to do my best to feature some new people that most people are not familiar with like I think the Palm or might go to uh, I think the Darden brothers, it's been a while that they people have heard from them ever since like two years and one, two days to one night with Marion Cotillard. And like, that'll be my one, my three winners. And I think I'll go with Park Chan-wook. Like people remember him for Old Boy and The Handmaiden. And one of the new faces that people are not, not familiar with is Saeed Stays Layla's Brothers, where Layla's brothers... Well, it's about Layla and her brothers, as it's in the title, but it has Terane Ali Dusty of The Salesman and Saeed Poor Samimi of 
the 87 film Captain Corset. So, and Saeed Rustei had was nominated a Caesar Award for his second movie, just six and a half. And it won, and he's known with the Bodger Film Festival. And uh, like, I think that this is a great moment of him, like getting the recognition he's deserved as to a more European fest after he's been a lot with Ireland with Iran with the Fajr Film Festival. So I think that he may be a, a standout. Like I hope that he'll be part of the, the New York Film Festival. Like it's just that I know there'll be like six or 10 of these movies at cons that will be at New York Film Festival. So it's great to see France gained their first kick out before they may go to Telluride, TIFF, and then New York Film Festival. But I know there's just so much unpredictability and it's always fun to just figure out what to do when we see these new films from the great outdoors and the emerging ones. And thank you for sharing your thoughts with me on 2022 cons. I wish that I could see some of the shorts lineups or some other last minute movies being revealed, but it's always fun to talk with you, Jonah, about films and hope that you have a good day. Pleasure's all mine, Eddie. Great talking to you. Today's concluding thought, Quaker. I am okay with my and my brother's dog, Quaker. However, I was surprised that he adopted it it is Alex's dog instead of our dog, to be more accurate. When my brother went to Duke, he adopted Quaker from a shelter in Durham. I am a little scared of him because he barks loud and makes me afraid of him. I sometimes hate that uh, my brother and I have to have either one of us to watch Quaker. We can leave him for up to four or five hours and we can never go out as much together. It is crazy that we need to discuss our availability to make sure we put our valuables in our drawers and away from Quaker. It puts me off track when I have to take Quaker out to do his business instead of Alex as I want to make my plans at the moment in the day of. When I have to get Quaker to do his thing, I do my best to hold him from eating more human food and yell no to him when he pulls a leash, bothers people, or is about to eat such food. There are some moments that he will tick me off and it makes me have to say no B. I would rather call him a bead instead of a bitch because I did not want little kids to hear me say it. I sometimes called him Quay or Q, but his barks and random moments where he could be mean makes me call him B. I do hope that I will reduce my use of B and live with the flaws of his constant barking and whimpering. I know I can't control his emotions. He makes me sometimes react in a non-civil manner. My feelings get into my head when that happens. Even after getting along, I am still sometimes afraid of him when I have to sleep when my brother's not around. When he's not as energetic on some evenings, I close the door in my room so he can't come to me. But that hinders Quaker's likeness to me. On the other hand, I'm happy to have him around because it is equivalent to preparing for a human child. If I can't do an okay job with Quaker, I don't know if my skills would be the same for a goldfish or a human baby. But it is fun to have a dog at the end of the day. I never thought I would have one, and I'll make the most with Quaker. And that's today's concluding thought.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Real Print. This episode's music includes Continuum Mutation, courtesy of Kama, Like Clockwork by Benjamin Kling, courtesy of Epidemic Sounds, and Shimmering by Rafa Orchestra, courtesy of Epidemic Sounds. This episode is co-produced and edited by Anish Katu and Edward Frumpkin. Please check out this episode's notes and links, as well as reviews, award and seasonal predictions, and essays written by yours truly at realprint.org. That is R-E-E-L print.org. This is Edward Frumpkin signing off.